out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. It's always a nice thought, Jim. Anyway, this is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. And this is one of those archive interviews as I've been trundling and trucking through some old files and came across this interview I did with the comedian Arthur Smith back in, I think, 2013. He was coming to Norwich. He was doing some live dates. I did an interview. It's quality chat. I thought, David, Arthur, let's get it out there. The public need to hear this interesting 15 minutes or do they I don't know personally I don't care but if you like Arthur Smith then listen you might just enjoy it it might make you smile and in these political times that's good enough for me anyway this is the interview take it away Arthur David rock and roll which leads us to to your new show that's coming out Oh, yeah. soon called Exposed which after the, the is it a bit like Lance Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm going to tell all the truth you're going to tell yeah you. the fact is mind you if you were a comedian in the 80s in London and uh, you were found with no drugs in your system you probably would have been uh, Exposed yeah <laughs> It's so, not quite the same. You don't, you don't get a, a random drugs testing as a comedian. Well, that would be, yes. But but unlike, but is it a little bit like Lance Armstrong? Will you be sort of exposing, what are you exposing? Any any sort of, you know, is it your I mind? Think so. your... Well, I can't possibly say beforehand. But suffice it to say, whatever it is will be... Uh, Highly amusing. Right. So, but so it's it's going to be a bit about your life. A there bit. will be some bit about my life. There will be a bit of singing. There'll be some mystery. There'll be some. I might stand on my head. Mm. I might balance a tray. Uh, I might. Uh, there's numerous things I might do. I can't possibly reveal them yet because otherwise, then I wouldn't be. They won't won't be exposed. Yeah. But but you will be keeping your clothes on. <clears throat> keeping my clothes on. Yeah. I think that's quite likely. Yes. I mean, I would never guarantee anything. In extreme, in extremis, I would take my clothes off. But it has to be quite, you know, and I don't worry if you're planning to come. It's highly unlikely. Unless, you know, if it was like a team of, it turned out that everyone in the audience was a naturist. Yes. And you had to go with it. Well, then I'd, I'd say, well, we're all, you're all naturists. Maybe I should join in. I would. Peer pressure's everything, isn't it, actually? And, and sometimes you do have to just go with the crowd. I wonder, well, that would be interesting if everyone in the audience took their clothes off. You would probably find that you, you would have to change your set a bit, wouldn't you? But you have, you have been known to be naked, haven't you? Yes, that's true. I've, I've had, I, in the past, there was, uh, I was occasionally naked up the Royal Mile in my, in my youth at, when I used to do this very late night show in front of, uh, you know, I wasn't the only one too. Uh, and then I did once have a bet with... This is Tony Hawks, Tony Hawks, yes, where the loser of the bet had to strip off naked in Balham High Road and sing the um, Moldovan National Anthem. And, and you did? Yeah, it was me. I lost the bet. And and was it what 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 time of the year was this? March. I, I should recall it's fair. It wasn't warm. I can say that, it's, which was unfortunate. You can get a nasty wind. You can get a nasty <laughs> wind. <laughs> yeah, I think I got a bit of a shock. 
<laughs> on the people if anyone was looking at the CCTV the next day. Well, yes. They probably didn't have it so much then. So were you, going slightly further back to Thatcher's 80s Britain, yes. were you part of the greatest show on legs? Well, I, I was once or twice. I was never a full-timer in the legs, as they were known. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I think I, I, along with pretty much every comedian of the era, had a go. Yeah, you know what the naked balloon dance. The I naked balloon dance with, yes. with dear Malcolm Hardy. The great Malcolm Hardy, you know of Malcolm. Well, well done. Well, yes, well it was because I was just thinking before interviewing you today about sort of um, life, the universe, and everything, and I came and I suddenly realised I'd seen this show on New Year's Eve in nineteen. 19- 83, which I was, I, was a bit, I was a bit depressed that I knew this, but then I realised it was that big moment that you thought, you know, because during the 70s, 1984 was this kind of slightly iconic year, wasn't it, that everything was going to change. So, And, and they were performing... At 1984 a... was? Yeah, we met, well, 1984 was a big thing, wasn't it? When we were in the 70s, we thought 1984, everything was going to change and Big Brother... Well, you mean we were taking George Orwell literally? Well, absolutely. I didn't, re- I didn't think that. You obviously did. Well, I did, but, didn't, but, but fast forward into the Millennium Bug, did you sort of have, like... 1999, anything could happen. Planes could fall out the sky. No. I, you see, I, frankly, I'm never one of these uh, apocalyptic types. Oh, I good. I hope the world's going to end at any moment. The world will end. We will know that the whole temple of man's achievement will eventually be buried beneath the debris of a universe in ruins. Yes. But well, I never thought it would be today. But hopefully not tomorrow, anyway. Well, not before your show. No, maybe the day after. No. But anyway, so I saw... When Ma- is my show? March the t- April. April the 13th. Yes. yes. Have you written it? And funnily enough, I am spending the next five days locked in a hotel right here. Good. Just talking a little bit, because you have been a student at the UEA, so how did your career progress? Did you do that soon after school, your UEA years? Yes, yes. I didn't have a... The gap years didn't exist then. I went... Uh, I went straight. I was 18, I suppose, when I arrived at university. Fresh from London? Yes. Uh, yeah. It was like the reverse of the normal. You know, like, I left London to move to Norfolk at 18. I imagine it's more often the other way around. Normally, yes. Uh, but, uh, yes, I was uh, a fresh-faced young great undergraduate at UEA. And, uh, well, even then, I'd, at school, I'd done sort of funny things in the school play and that kind of thing, and I'd, I'd had a bit of a reputation for standing up and making funny speeches. And at university, I, I mean, whilst that was never... At the time, it didn't cross my mind I would make a living from this eventually, but I'd used to be in the, the university review, and I'd, I did a few... I mean, I was a terrible show. If I, I, do you remember a man called Evil Knievel? Oh, God, yes. We loved well, him. I reenacted. He was a man who used to jump across canyons on motorbikes. He tried, didn't he? He was doing yeah. the he was doing the Grand Canyon, but oh, uh, I don't know if he did that. Anyway, he jumped a lot. He did a lot of jumping on motorbikes, and I attempted to jump across the pond in the middle of the university. Oh, at the UEA on a, on a tricycle, Excellent. a child's tricycle. Do different. I think that's the motto, isn't it? At the UEA? Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and did you did you manage to get to the water, or did you just? Well, uh, yes, I managed to get into the water. I didn't manage to leap across the <laughs> pond. I, to be honest, there was never really much chance I was going to make it across. No, but... And in those days, the little pond in his square of the university was about three feet deep. You could stand in it, as yes. indeed I did for quite frequently. Yeah. I think it's probably because of me that it's now only two inches deep. 
Yes, and I think it, I think it became a sort of a, a health and safety thing. So I think they've removed the whole thing now. Actually, that the, is there the, no pond at all. The water in the square has gone. They've got they've got oh, some that no. they've got some that dribbles out in the middle of the yard. Uh, of the that well, that'll be a student. Yeah, they, they, there's quite a few people dribbling there, but in a slightly. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing I did there once. On my, it must be my my twentieth birthday or something. I or twenty second maybe. Anyway, I took a bed into the square and had a lie in there all day and then lots of people joined me. There were about 25 of us. God, that's quite, that's quite lying nice. Lying in our beds in was the it, square. Was this a sort of John Lennon, Yoko Ono political yeah, thing? Yeah, it was a tribute, yeah. A tribute act. So what were you studying at the UEA? Um, uh, I did a comparative literature. Right. So which I don't think exists anymore, possibly. There was a fashionable thing in the, in the 70s. I think the creative writing style stuff is still pretty... Yeah, hot. well, I, I, that's partly why I went there, because even then, when I was an undergraduate, that was a postgraduate thing, the Malcolm Bradbury's thing. But yes. I, uh, you were allowed sometimes, you know, instead of writing a, a poem about the form of the, about the sonnet, you could write a sonnet. Which, Which is way nice. I discovered is a much more, um, uh, much better way of finding out what a sonnet is. Trying to write one. Yeah, I know it's absolutely. And I and I was able instead of I spent a year in Paris because I was studying French as, as part of my degree. Nice. And uh, for that, I could do like for half of your thesis, you were allowed to present a piece of creative writing, and I wrote a play which was marked by Malcolm Bradbury. Beautiful. That's very nice. And, and B minus, stick to comedy. <laughs> was this and this is is this the late seventies that we? Yeah, we're... So I was. Uh, when was I there? Seventy three to seventy seven. Yeah, right. Because it says years active on Wikipedia. You, you became active in nineteen seventy seven. So so before. <laughs> <laughs> I became active. What was the hell was I doing before? I I, well, I guess you were a student and um, and sort of having a bath in the square. Yes, yeah, true. But so, so were you, did you sort of think, yes, I'm going to be a writer here, or did you say, oh, I don't have a clue? I didn't have a clue uh, what I was going to do. I mean, I had some dim notion of being a writer, but I didn't have anything to write about at the time, or at least, I, I don't know. I, uh, and I didn't have time for writing, because I had to plunge straight in the, you know, I was a road sweeper, and I did lots of jobs. Right. In Norwich, this is? No, I left Norwich and went back to London. After uh, I was no, I was there. Spent the summer there because, in fact, I was in this review company called the National Review Company, who were all, still all good friends of mine, who were, who were uh, uh, did at the university, all university students, and we we did we did a summer where we we all had various jobs, but we also used to go and do shows for the open university people who right. who filled UEA while the students yes, were away. Yes, in the summer, don't they? I don't know if they still do that, but yeah, so we used to do two shows for the, the university, for the, the, the open university people. We'd do one on Tuesday called Minds a Half, and then we'd do one on the Saturday called Sod It, Make It a Pint or something. <laughs> Excellent. So once you got to London, this is obviously the late 70s, did you then sort of start sort of looking at stand-up then? Was that when... No, uh, well, uh, no, well, stand-up as, as we now know it, it didn't really exist then. Uh, well, there was there was the sort of frilly shirt brigade, you know, the kind of Bernard Mannings and yes. that kind of Jim uh, Davison. But I, I was more of a kind of Edinburgh. So we did review, and the people I admired were probably, you know, Monty Python and um, 
inspired Milligan and whatnot, that they were more of interest to me. Sure. And staying, so I was in a band for three years. Mm. I was a singer in a band. Excellent. Was this punky? Mm, a bit, yeah. I had sort of thin trousers and an attitude. Good. Um, and then, uh, but then the band never really went anywhere. Meanwhile, I was, we were still doing this review. We went up to the, the Edinburgh Festival. Fringe was really my uh, training ground. Sure. And we did that several years, and then eventually we got a TV series, but then we all split up, and but by then the stand-up thing had started in the early 80s in, in London. And this was the. And I became part of that, and that's when I started doing stand up. So, because did you meet Malcolm? Was this when you. Yeah, did... I met Malcolm around then. You couldn't really not meet him. <laughs> <laughs> was he. Was he, he... Was, in fact, the first year I met him, he was, we were all performing in what was called the Hole in the Ground, uh, which is in, in Edinburgh, which was a building site in the middle that was going to become, uh, I think it's the theatre there. Anyway. Um, but there was a big tent with shows in, and, and Malcolm was actually living in the tent uh, next door to the where the show was on, and that's where I met him, stumbling around cleaning his teeth at you know three o'clock in the afternoon. So this is what this is when you sort of decided this this could be this was something you wanted to do. Well, by then I was already beginning to earn a little bit of money from it. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go professional until eighty. Four or five, I think. Was it quite a relief when? I mean, it's strange at the time because um, it probably wasn't. But was was the sort of the the wonderful world that Thatcher's Britain? Did that sort of help galvanise a lot of that? Well, creativity? I mean, yeah, you, uh, it was. It's hard for young people to remember now just how divided people were at the time. I mean, you were either for her or against her, and I was very much against her. And and in some sense, the, the start of uh, what was then known as alternative comedy began. Yeah. You know, the day she was elected in some ways, uh, as a reaction against her, but also because, you know, she took a lot away, a lot of funding from the arts, and, you know, the easiest way to earn a living if you're in, was to be a, stand, a solo stand-up, I and mean, still is in a way. So where did it go from the in, during the 80s then? How did your career progress through that decade? Well, I... Um, I was asked to present, you know, by then I was getting on telly, I suppose. I presented a series called uh, First Exposure, which um, was uh, the first, you know, the first time a lot of comedians had appeared on telly, including, you know, Frank Skinner and uh, all loads of people who who are now extremely well known. And I also was in a double act, and we did a little series on Channel 4, uh, and then, right at the end of the eighties, I wrote a play that was quite successful. So, really, I suppose I was launched by the start of the nineties. Now I was beginning to get on the radio on Radio Four and whatnot. Because now you you are quite a feature, aren't you? You're sort of you, you're sort of you know quite a bedrock of Radio Four. And what am I? I'm in. I'm in. I'm a. I'm oh. an old man with a long history, and I can. Uh, yeah, I mean, I meet young comics, and they treat me with a degree of reverence sometimes, which is. Disagreeable or agreeable, depending on who it is. Because you did have a bit of a health scare, didn't you, as well? Oh, yeah, I was very ill indeed. In um, About ten years ago, just over ten years ago, I was. I had a, a, a... My pancreas sort of started digesting itself and I was more likely to die than live. And that was probably through too much drinking. Sure. So I kind of knocked drinking on the head then. Has that sort of been a kind of a weird blessing in disguise? 
Yes, I suppose it was. In as far as I really did have to, I was getting drink. You know, I was drinking too much. There was no. I mean, I wasn't the sort of vodka on the cornflakes man, but you know, I was getting drunk most nights one way or another, and I had a, you know, I had an aptitude for following my nose into interesting and drunken situations. Yes. Like Malcolm, funny enough, often involved with Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because poor Malcolm, his his death was a bit sort of all a bit, I don't know, I suppose it was a bit rock and roll, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, his death was magnificent in some sense. Yeah. And the funeral that followed it, which I was one of the presenters on, <laughs> it was just, it was, by, it was the best show I've ever been to. Yeah. <laughs> And Best. it was the most moving and the funniest, and the most, it was a wonderful, wonderful event. So nice. Now I've, I've got to have my breakfast soon, dear. Yes, how long, okay. How much longer we got? No, that's that, that that's fantastic. So look, you've got a good show coming up called Exposed. Indeed. And it's going to, and you're going to reveal the lots. I am going to reveal the secrets of the universe. Excellent, and um, with, with with your clothes on. Probably. Good. Anyway, <laughs> we'll have a good breakfast. All right. Okay. Cheers, Dave.